why skip this, jump right in, you know, not uh, ten, ten, 10 steps to a better you today, but we're going uh, Sodom and Gomorrah today. Uh, just a brief word, um, uh, there's a lot of graphic stuff here, so uh, I'll be mindful of language. We have some little people here, uh, we're going to say what the Bible says, um, but I don't necessarily want to introduce uh, new new vocabulary words to you that you might can do uh, introduce to your own children. So I'll be mindful of that, but we are going to talk about uh, the passage, of course. And so um, because we can't cover all of it, there's a lot of it there, we're going to kind of uh, over, you know, get the overview, and then we'll pull out a few things that hopefully will be helpful for us as we think about living by faith. So just a brief summary. Uh, I'm going to summarize it for us. There's two men. Uh, we saw they were there with Abraham in the last chapter, and they heard the outcry of Sodom. Remember, that's when Abraham pleads, if there's 50, if there's 45, if there's 40, all the way down. And the two men are angels, and they go down to Sodom, so that's where we pick up. And they enter into the town, and they find Lot, uh, Abraham's nephew, at the city gates. And they, they talk to Lot, and Lot sees them, and he bows down to them in reverence. He obviously acknowledges, knows something uh, of, of who they may be. Uh, they're from the Lord, and so he bows down. And, uh, and he invites them over to their house, to his house. It's a great sign of hospitality. And the men say, no, we've come down to investigate the city. We, we've come to be witnesses to it. We're going to stay in the square, the city square. And Lot says he, he pressed them strongly. No, come home. Come to my house. Uh, Lot knows uh, about the city. So the men come over and they have a feast. And then uh, the men of the city, the text says all of them, circle Lot's house, uh, demanding that he hand over these two men. Um, and the text says uh, that we may know them. And it's speaking there of, of sexually knowing them. It's this gang of men uh, wanting to forcibly uh, uh, engage with these two angels uh, in this text. Lot um, goes outside to speak against it to protect them, to protect his visitors, which is right. Um, in doing so, he offers his two daughters uh, in exchange for the men, as these, these young ladies, it says, um, has not known a man. Uh, I guess, thankfully, they refused, and uh, they said, no, we want the two men inside. So uh, the, 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 the men of the city start attacking Lot. The angels grab Lot and bring him in. The men try to break down the door, and so the angels blind the men of the city um, the next morning, uh, the angels get Lot up and says, let's go, it's hurry, we need to get out of here, the Lord is going to destroy this wicked place. Uh, Lot is, is somewhat casual, but finally gets out of town. They're told not to look back, but to, to pursue, to flee. And of course, Lot's wife, we know the story, she looks back, she's turned into a pillar of salt. That's the highlights. It's a story, huh? I mean, it, it, it's something about the story speaks to the nature of the Bible. If you're writing a religious book, if you read a lot of other religious texts and other traditions, it's sort of books of virtues, sort of highlights. Uh, there's heroes. There's a lot of good things. There's, um, there's not this level of content. Uh, it speaks to something of the nature of the reality of Scripture, uh, and then we'll see how God interacts with it. But certainly, uh, soap operas have nothing on Scripture uh, as it comes to graphics and content. Um, but for our purposes, what can we learn? You know this story. Uh, uh, it's familiar to you. 
um, what can we learn about, uh, about it and how it applies to our faith. The first thing I want us to see um, is that there is a temptation to drift. Um, Lot is of the household of God, the covenant people, and there is a temptation of Lot, we see it, to drift uh, away from covenant faithfulness. You may know the, the phrase, uh, nothing happens in a vacuum. You know that phrase? It, it means nothing happens in isolation. It means events are related to one another. There's consequences to events. Um, and and uh, the downfall of Sodom has been something that the, the Bible has been telling us about for chapters in chapter 13, uh, Abraham and Lot go to look at the land, and Abraham gives Lot the first choice. And uh, Abraham looks, I mean, Lot looks by sight, and he picks that which looks best. And he goes to set up his tent in chapter 13, and he, it says, The men of Sodom are wicked. And yet Lot makes his home there and sets up his tent. The next chapter, in chapter 14, um, if you remember, the nations are warring, and Lot and others from Sodom are carried away. And so Abraham gets involved, and he goes and tracks them down, and he rescues Lot, and he brings them back. And Lot uh, determined to stay in Sodom, and then the, the wicked king of Sodom tries to, to bribe Abraham. Do you remember that? He tries to manipulate him, to make Abraham indebted to him. So there's this sense of like we are dealing with a wickedness here. We are dealing with, uh, with sin and its worst. And now these two men, angels, come to the city gate. And it says the commentator said that Lot was there. Um, so the city gate was the place of the hub of the government. It was, uh, it was the place uh, of prominence. So Lot went from having a tent in Sodom around the area that looked good to now he's got a house in Sodom, to now he's at the city gate uh, with the bigwigs of the town. He has worked his way in. It's a sign of his movement uh, into uh, the city. In the, the morning when they've, when they've awoken, the angel tries to get him out, and Lot lingers, the text says. He didn't want to go. He's resistant. He tries to get his two son-in-laws and they think Lot's joking. There's this casual nature to it. All of this is telling us that we're dealing with a wicked situation. And Lot has been drifting. Like if you throw a log in the river and it just sort of, maybe it's slow, it just drifts kind of down. Lot has been becoming more and more and more attached to Sodom. The, um, the picture of Lot's wife turning into a pillar, it's kind of like, well, that's kind of harsh, you know. She just wanted to see the fireworks. She looked back, you know. Um, but, but the commentators say the imagery is that her turning back is her allegiance. Her solidarity is still with Sodom. Uh, they had wealth. They had prominence. And, and they didn't really want to let it go. Um, it's a challenge because, um, you know, we, we live in a city of of sinners like us, and we say all the time, we want to love the city, right? We want people in prominent places. We want to serve. We want to be involved. And, and even though we know there's ungodliness in many places, we want to be involved so we can bring light, right? We can bring salt. We can be hope. And so there's truth to that. There's a big part of that. And, and maybe that's why Lot is in the, the city government. Who knows? Um, but from Lot's actions, we see that he has been compromised not only is he hesitant to leave, but he does one of the most horrific things in the story. I don't know if it jumps out to you. 
It's, it's interesting how it's sort of skipped over in some ways. Um, but Lot, in doing the right thing in pro- protecting the travelers, which is uh, a, a law in the ancient Near East, when people came and they sojourned and they stayed with you, it was your r- responsibility to protect them. So Lot was doing a good thing. But he does so in one way to offering his daughters to the all of the men of Sodom um, to be known sexually. Um, it appears uh, Lot has uh, taken on the sexual ethic uh, of Sodom. He has been compromised uh, in his ways. And just a word on that. Um, I mean, we see something like that. We should be, we should be appalled. Um, to note, when the Bible often is, is descriptive, it's not being prescriptive. So when, when the, here, when the, he tells what Lot's doing, the Bible's not endorsing what Lot is doing by offering his daughters. It's like polygamy or slavery that's seen in the Scriptures. Often speaks of that. That is what was in the context. But the Bible's not endorsing that. Certainly not endorsing Lot. Even in the New Testament, Lot is called the righteous. And yet, the Bible does not endorse uh, the actions of Lot here. Uh, Lot has been compromised by Sodom. Um, that's true uh, the temptation for God's people always. Um, do you remember Demas in the New Testament? Are you familiar with him? In Colossians, Paul says he's an ally. He's in the gospel. He's, uh, he's taken the gospel to the nations. And then his last letter, 2 um, Timothy, Paul says... Um, Ademus has deserted me because he fell in love with this present world. Demas was with him. He was on mission. He, he was part of a church plant. He was going for it. Uh, but then uh, somewhere he, he drifted, and uh, the world became more and more and more appealing. And finally he left. He deserted Paul. He deserted uh, the mission of God. Um, how does it apply to us? We want to be a people that are on mission. We want to be a people that are in the hard places. We want to be a people uh, that are engaging uh, the city, our neighbors. Jesus was a friend of sinners, right? He, he ate with tax collectors and prostitutes. He ate with the rough crowd. He got called a lot of things, right? So this is not a, 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 a story about isolation and, and we shouldn't be engaged. Um, we should. And yet, um, we need to be, uh, take warning uh, that the temptation for all of us is to drift away from faithfulness to God. Um, sometimes you, we see things on TV, or we hear of a leader uh, falling in some way, or some moral falling, uh, and sometimes you'll hear people, I can't believe they've done that, right? You hear this? How, I can't believe. Um, boy, if we know our own hearts, that, that really shouldn't be, that really shouldn't be the response. <laughs> um, because we, we can be so close from doing the very same thing, right? So close to doing the very same thing. It prevents us from being um, judgmental of others if we know our own hearts because there's a temptation to drift, whether that be sexually, as the story is, you know, with, with Lot's actions, whether that be just materialism and falling in love with the world, whether that be power and its influence and pull, prestige, uh, whatever it may be, uh, we are co-opt every day to partner with the world more and more and more and more. And Lot has found himself uh, in this situation. 
That's the first thing. It's temptation to drift. The second thing, um, God is, is really serious about sin. If that's not clear, that's the story. Uh, the judgment of God um, is a reality. Um, talking about the judgment of God is not very popular today. We don't like that kind of language. Um, some of you grew up in churches. It was fire and brimstone, you know, people yelling and screaming, or uh, maybe you've seen, you know, Westboro Baptist Church holding up signs about all the people God hates screaming. Um, that's not the right approach. That's not loving. Uh, that's not gracious. Um, but the judgment of God is real and sin is serious. Um, and um, this is what it says in 24 and 25. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord our God, from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the city and what grew on the ground. He destroyed it completely. And to modern ears, we hear that and we're like, I mean, isn't that a little over the top? You know? Can we just put, you know, Sodom in time out? <laughs> you know? Instead of like wiping it out. And what we need to know is that the Lord is slow and he's patient. Uh, he's bounding in steadfast love. But the case has been building for chapter upon chapter upon the wickedness of what's happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the reality of it is that sin was comprehensive. It was cor total corruption um, and it resulted in destruction. What was the sin of Sodom and um, Gomorrah? They went down there because the angels went down to the city because there was outrage. Do you remember that? A few chapters ago. And the outrage was, that word speaks of social injustice. It speaks of oppression. It speaks of dehumanization, which we see something here of these men groping at the door, right? It speaks of um, trafficking. It speaks of uh, all sorts of oppressive things. So it's a broad category. Uh, Ezekiel says that Sodom was guilty, among other things, of a failure to care for the poor. So they, we don't think of Sodom and Gomorrah, the great sin. They failed to care for the poor. Um, Lot urged the, the men to come to his house because he knows what happens to people in Sodom. He knows that the wickedness was corrupt. Um, and if you, you know this, throughout the Bible and throughout literature, extra-biblical literature, Sodom is like a picture, right? It's, a, it's an analogy. It's a, it's a picture of total depravity, of totally being given over to our own flesh and own desires, of totally outside of God's plan and purposes. Wicked. And of course, the sin at the center of this act is the sin of homosexuality. Um, that's uh, debated lately by many, uh, contested. Um, certainly, this act by these men is violent. It's, it's a gang attack, and so there is violence there. Um, so some try to dismiss that. Uh, but J the book of Jude speaks very clearly uh, of Sodom pursuing unnatural desires. Um, 
That's the same language Romans 1 uses, where men with men and women with women. It speaks of that as being outside of God's plan and purposes. And so that is at the heart. It's not only that. It's bigger than that. It's injustices. It's uh, failing to care for the poor. It's a lot of things. It's, uh, it's a comprehensive picture uh, homosexuality being sort of at the core of this, it's a comprehensive picture uh, of a people that are, go- that are godless, um, that are outside. Um, when we speak of uh, homosexuality, I, I want to do it you know, mindful of a couple of things. Um, the first thing I want to say is that um, we know we're all, we're all sinners, right? Um, uh, you know, some, some churches uh, pick out this sin, and this is sort of their hallmark thing, you know, and every week we're railing about something. Um, the truth of the matter is we're all, we're all sinners. Uh, in fact, we're all sexual sinners. Um, Jesus says if we've lusted in our heart that we've committed adultery. Um, and so no one here on this issue has sort of the high ground um, that we are sort of outside this, and we kind of look upon them like this. I can't believe it. We know that we are sinners um, and that God opposes all kind of sin. Lot, wife, directly disobeys what the angel said and is turned into a, a pillar of salt, right? Direct disobedience. That's the first thing I want to say. Um, the second thing is that um, the other end of the spectrum is, is all we talk about uh, is homosexuality. The other end is that we, we, never, we never name it. We never talk about it. And certainly in many circles, many places, it's, it's, uh, it's accepted and open, and um, Scripture just doesn't speak that way. It just doesn't allow that. It, it does name it as sin, and, and it names it so because it's against the goodness of sexuality. It's against the goodness of what God's created. It's against human flourishing. It's against what He has for us. It's contrary to His desire. And so we don't uh, fail to speak. We name what God names. And yet we know uh, that uh, ultimately he is the judge, right? Uh, we are all sinners and we are all broken. Do you see the tension? Um, um, we need to speak of truth and we also speak of grace and forgiveness. Um, so there were many sins of Sodom, um, but they were pervasive and they brought about the wrath of God. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. When we think about God's wrath, um, you know, um, there's a lot of objection to the wrath of God. We, we've changed some hymns <laughs> that speak of the wrath of God because we, we try to, it just, we don't, we like a God of grace and love, a God that's tender, but we don't like to talk about his justice and his wrath and his anger. And the reality is is those two are inseparable. They go hand in hand. Listen to this quote, two quotes. One by Tim Keller says, A God of less wrath than the God of the Bible is necessarily a God of less love. His anger is a product of his love. God's anger flows from his love. N.T. Wright says this, God's wrath properly is an aspect of his love. It is because God loves human beings with a steady, unquenchable passion that he hated apartheid. That's South Africa. 
uh, racism, that he hates torture and cluster bombs, that he loathes slavery, that his wrath is relentless against the rich who oppress the poor. If God was not wrathful against these and so many other distortions of our human vocation, he is not loving. To engage other people, often if you engage the objection, I can't believe in a God that would have wrath or a God that would send people to hell. The response is, then you don't believe in a God of love. Um, If we see someone, if we see a child being mistreated, uh, if we see our spouse, if we see someone uh, marginalized, we rise up, right? There's a sense of rage. There's a sense of, I can't believe. We, we want to defend. We want to speak for. We want to wrap our arms around them. Because it's unjust. And so the anger rises up. And yet our sin before God is like that. Maybe you saw the uh, U.S. Embassy in Iran was being uh, uh, assaulted this week, been bombarded. You see that? They were trying to bust in the walls and bombs and shooting and um, they're trying to get in and to attack. Um, that's what our sin is before God. It is, it is a full-out assault on the character and the nature of God. It is, it is treason. It is, it's a coup. It's rebellion against God and His goodness. And in this sense of sexuality, it is rebellion against the goodness. Sex is good. God made it good. And to violate that is not to to somehow try to rob people's freedom in some way, but it's to offer them life and goodness and flourishing in the confines that God has given it. And our sin is an assault to that. It's against the goodness of God. And judgment is the result of all of our sin. And it flows from the love of God. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I didn't encourage you to think on that. If you'd like to talk more or talk with others, I know there's a lot there. I know that topic is really, really loaded. Um, I don't want to speak to it lightly. Um, uh, and I'll speak a little bit more here at the end, but um, let's, t- let's talk more. Um, Application-wise, it, it'd be a good goal. Um, I don't know what your 2020 uh, your resolutions are. Um, you, know, you want to get in shape. You know, you want to get your finances in order. Um, what if we took sin more seriously? Um, what, what if we said, Lord, can we examine our own hearts and our own temptations and tendencies? Um, not to beat ourselves up. If we're in Christ, there's no condemnation. But we grieve it and we mourn it and we lament it and then we're free from it. And there's life in it. Um, There's drifting. uh, There's judgment. But the final word of God is always mercy. The story shows the mercy of God. Verse 15 and 17. As morning dawned, the angels... Listen to the language. listen Listen to Lot's resistance and listen to the angels. As the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying... Up, take up, take your wife and your t- daughters and who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. He didn't deserve it. 
And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. Do you notice Lot? It's just sort of a, no, kind of casual. I don't want to leave. And they're saying, Get out, get out, flee. And finally, the, the, it's like a special forces, you know, special op. They grab them. You know, they, they come in to, to get the prisoner of war and free them. And they, they bust in, they grab them, and they, they, they get them out of the city as fast as they can before they blow the place up, right? That's what's happening. That's the mercy of God to save Lot and his family. Um. Let's think for a second. Why is Lot rescued? I mean, we've already seen Lot, Lot's not a whole lot different than the folks of Sodom, is he? In fact, we, we could argue that the thing with his daughters is maybe worse, right? I mean, I'm not feeling too great about that. I've got a 10-year-old, you know. Why is he rescued? Why, why does, chapter 13, why did Sodom and Gomorrah get on the scene in the first place? Do you remember? Because Lot was there. And why does it matter that Lot's there? Because Lot was connected to, to Abraham. And Abraham is, he is the covenant head. He is the one God's promised that through you and your family and your seed, the nations will be blessed. It's like uh, saving Private Ryan, you know, had to go in and get him. Lot belonged to Abraham and by faith belonged to the Lord. Do you see that? He is in union with Abraham, the father of faith, and therefore no expense could be saved. Everything had to be done to save Lot and his family from the wickedness. Do you see the gospel? How are you and I apart from Christ? What was our mindset? We weren't just drifting. We were pretty set. We were pretty content with the world. <laughs> we were full set, involved, whether it's homosexual, heterosexual sin, uh, whether it's greed, whether it's slander, whether it's whatever, <laughs> the list. We were set. We were, Ephesians said, enemies of God. We had no thought of fleeing Sodom. We were fine and content. We were the men at the door trying to break in. And God came and rescued us. The scripture says that we were dead in Christ and He made us alive. The special forces came in, right? They came and rescued us. They, they found our, our coordinates they planned it as a night strike right in the darkness, and they came and found us and rescued us. And we respond by faith, puny faith like Lot. And how are we spared the judgment? Why are we spared the judgment? Because we're in union with another. Lot was spared because he was in union. He was in connection with Abraham. We are spared because we are in union with Christ. And we belong to Christ. And so in Christ has taken all the full judgment 
that, des- that we deserved as Sodom deserved, and Christ has taken it. He has absorbed it. And now when we look, Christ, when God sees us, He sees only Christ. There is no more judgment. And we're declared righteous. Listen to these words. First uh, Corinthians, we'll finish with this, 6, says this. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral. Find yourself in this list. The sexually immoral, nor idolaters, that's all of us, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Are you guilty? I am. Verse 11. And such were some of you. Such were some of you. But you were washed. And you were sanctified. means you were changed. You were justified. means you were declared righteous. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. You hear that? That's the gospel. We were set in our sin. We were set against Him. As Lot was set in the wicked city of Sodom. And judgment came and judgment is coming. And yet when we find ourselves by Jesus, because of Jesus, in union with Jesus, we are rescued and saved by His mercy. And when we understand it's His mercy, then things change. And we say no to ungodliness. We say no to the sin and the patterns. It's slow. It's progressive. It's two steps forward, one step back. It's confession every Sunday. But there's a movement by faith because of the mercy and goodness of God to us. you belong to Jesus, you're in that phrase, such were some of you. So there, there's, no, there's no arrogance, there's no judgment towards others because we've, we've been humbled. And yet there's confidence that God came and rescued us. And rescued us. May we take sin seriously. It's damage. And may we rejoice in the hope of Jesus. He has rescued us. May it promote change. Let's pray. Jesus, we speak of um, difficult things. Um, Lord, I know many, uh, many in this room have struggled with same-sex attraction. Um, All of us struggle with sin in a number of forms and shapes. And our only hope for all of us is Jesus. And I pray that as we reflect, I pray that as we put our head to the pillow tonight, we would, we would take a good look at sin in our own heart, and we'd start this year examining ourselves. As we take one look at sin, that we would take ten looks back at Christ. The one who has taken our sin in our place, past, present, and future, and removed them and declared us righteous. May we know the truth and the beauty and the goodness of the gospel today. It is for us, and it is good news. We thank you now for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.